You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Then Jesus appeals for the people. I mean, so he tells them, hey, listen, these guys have come and investigated me and been prodding and poking with all these questions. And you found out I'm a man of God, but there's more to the story. I'm more than that. I am the God of man, he says. The Messiah is going to be more than just the son or a descendant of David. The Messiah has to be divine. And I'm him. Jesus is claiming his deity right there. Being evaluated for your job can be nerve-wracking. Well, in today's edition of The Simple Truth, Pastor Dion walks us through the evaluations by the religious leaders that Jesus underwent. The leaders were trying to catch Jesus saying controversial things that would get him in trouble or even killed. Pastor Dion teaches that not only did Jesus sidestep the leaders' evil intentions by answering with wisdom and authority, but he used the opportunity to declare his divinity as the Messiah. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 20 and 21 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 5, and this is what it says. If a man's brother dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Instead, her husband's brother must marry her and sleep with her. The first son she bears to him shall be counted as the son of the dead brother so that his name will not be forgotten. Do you guys got it? Doesn't that sound weird? Oh, brother. Huh? I know it sounds weird, but God had a reason for this. First off, it was to take care of the widow because women had little power. Without an heir, a widow would lose her home and her property. She would be destitute, homeless. The second reason is so that land would stay out of the hands of land grabbers. The land was each family's inheritance from God. From the time that they came into the land, the land was divided up into the tribes. Each family got a lot of land in their tribe's general area or district. Every person, every family got a lot of land. A lot, not a lot, but a lot of land. And it was their inheritance. And it needed to be protected and stay within the family. And so the reason for this is so that the land would also stay inside the family. Because there were land grabbers who were out to purchase land as much as they could. And God didn't want land grabbers hoarding and monopolizing the land. You guys got it? So God had it all figured out and that's the reason He did this. Now, the Sadducees produced a far-fetched hypothetical in relation to the liberate marriage just to prove how ridiculous it is to believe in life after death. 
So now we know what the levirate marriage is, and the Sadducees are going to come and bring this debate that nobody has been able to win for decades. Nobody's been able to win it. They're going to bring this argument to Jesus because they want a reason to put him down. Here we go. Then some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to Jesus and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offering for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as wife, and he died childless. Then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also, poor woman. Therefore, in the resurrection, and you can hear them snicker, in the resurrection, <laughs> whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as their wife. The Sadducees had stumped and silenced all the pro-heaven and pro-afterlife opponents with this theological riddle. No one had been able to undo the riddle to answer. Annas and Caiaphas knew that Jesus believed and taught the afterlife. Jesus mentions it, taught about it many, many times. And so they know that Jesus believes in the afterlife. And if Jesus could not defend his view about afterlife from Moses' writings, the first five books of the law, then Jesus would be considered a heretic, a false teacher worthy of stoning. So literally, this riddle, this theological paradox was Ananias and Caiaphas's ace in the hole. We got it. This is going to happen. This is their ace in the hole. As stoic as they were, I think that they probably even smirked. The Sadducees think they have Jesus caught in the trap. But that's when Jesus stands up and schools them from the Scriptures. Watch this. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection." But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. So the Sadducees, the Sadducees think they've got Jesus in this hypothetical paradox and no one has been able to answer ever before, proving afterlife from the first five books of the law. And so 
you know, they basically have brought him this terrible story, a hypothetical about these brothers, and they're trying to ask Jesus to answer it. And Jesus answered this about the afterlife. He said, you Sadducees are making assumptions. Heaven or the afterlife is not a continuation of this life. There is no marriage in heaven. Why do some of you look so relieved? You remind me of that story I came across. It was a dietitian who was giving a nutritional class to a large audience. The material, he said, that we put in our bodies should have killed us years ago. Red meat is hard to digest. So does erode your stomach lining. Chinese food is loaded with MSG. But the dietitian said, but there's one thing that you have eaten or will eat that is the most dangerous of all. It's the one food that is responsible for the majority of pain and suffering. And so he asked, does anybody know what that particular food is? The man in the front row said, wedding cake? Cynical. Everybody said, what? Cynical. That's just cynical. So for those of you that have that kind of cynicism, there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus said we will be like the angels. Say that out loud. There will be what? In the afterlife, heaven is not a continuation of this life. Things are going to be different. We are going to be like the angels. Not angels. Like angels. In the sense of bodies. Our bodies will be different. In heaven, we will have bodies that aren't so high maintenance. Bodies that don't need sleep, food, deodorant, wrinkle cream, yervita de la negrita, smooth move tea. You don't need any of that up there. <laughs> and then Jesus did what no one else had done before. He defended afterlife from Moses' writings. Jesus quoted Exodus 3.6, where Moses said, He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not he was, because they're past tense. Moses didn't say he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, no. He said he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, present tense, meaning that they're not just dead and gone. They are with the Lord. Did you guys get it? So yeah. Yeah, you can applause. That's, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. There is an afterlife. Say it out loud. There is an afterlife. Heaven is a real place. But unfortunately, hell is too. But Jesus came to save us from ending up in hell. In fact, you know the verse very well. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that awesome? There it is. So the religious leaders, their investigation and questioning may have revealed that Jesus is a man of God. Because it has. In fact, what I haven't told you yet, that on this day, which is the Tuesday, on this day was the official day when the high priest would inspect the lamb 
the official lamb that he brought in, it would stay in for a day or two and then they would inspect it to make sure it had no imperfections and could be offered as a sacrificial lamb. Well, the high priests have investigated Jesus thoroughly, the Lamb of God, and you know what they have said? I can't find any fault in this guy. We just can't seem to find any blemish or any problem with him. Interesting. Interesting. But anyway, these religious leaders and their investigation and questioning have revealed that Jesus is a man of God. But He's much more than that. Jesus announces that He is not just a man of God, but He is the God of man. In fact, let's read it. Here's what Jesus says in that passage. And Jesus said to them, How can they say that the Christ is the Son of David? Now David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Now, I know that sounds a little bit paradoxical. That sounds a little confusing. But let me lay it out for you. Jesus used the Scripture to explain that the Messiah would not only be a descendant of David, but would be greater than David. That He would be a God-man. Do you guys get it? Then Jesus appeals for the people. I mean, so He tells them, hey, listen, these guys have come and investigated Me and been prodding and poking with all these questions and you found out I'm a man of God, but there's more to the story. I'm more than that. I am the God of man. He says, the Messiah is going to be more than just the son or a descendant of David. The Messiah has to be divine. And I'm Him. Jesus is claiming His deity right there. So here's what Jesus says with that. As he announces you know, His deity. Jesus announces that He's the God of men. And then Jesus appeals for people to believe in Him to stop following the religious system and the religious leaders. Here it goes on with the story. Then in the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to His disciples, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogue, and the best places at feasts. Read this part out loud with me who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. So Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm more than just a man of God. I am the God of men. I'm appealing that you believe in Me instead of following those religious leaders who are doing these things. And He lays them out. The religious leaders were supposed to care for God's people. Love them. Teach them. Serve them. But instead, all they were doing was fleecing them. Say it again. Doing what? Fleecing the people. They were manipulating and taking advantage of them. Profiting from their sacrifices. It was horrible. And so Jesus points out one of their victims. He's there at the temple. He says, hey, listen, follow me since I am the God of men. Follow me instead of the religious leaders because what they're doing is manipulating and victimizing people. And then Jesus points to a widow. 
to show them exactly what he's talking about. Chapter 21, verse 1, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Now, you may have been taught about this Scripture in the past or heard a teaching about it that we should be like the widow. We should give everything. Completely. Empty ourselves. Or maybe you were taught about the attitude. We should have the same attitude of giving as the widow. But that's out of context. Because this verse is not talking about giving at all. It's talking about the abuse that's taking place from the Pharisees on the widow. She is compulsed. She has been influenced. She has been strong-armed to give everything she has to appease them only so that they can line their pockets. So she's giving her last two cents, her last two dollars, so that they can pocket it and be wealthy. That's the abuse that's taking place here. Jesus used the widow as an example of what the religious leaders are doing. They're using their influence to manipulate and deceive people. Give God your last two mites. Give until it hurts, they say. She gave all her livelihood. She will be destitute. And they will use her last pennies for themselves. They manipulated and abused her for their gain. So listen. The Bible does ask us to give. It talks about our attitude of giving. But this passage is not about giving. You notice, it always sticks out. When I first would read it and try to wrestle with it, why does all of a sudden Jesus change this topic here? Jesus doesn't change topics. It's in the context. You heard the verse before where He says, they devour widows' houses. So basically what they're saying, give it to us. Give until it hurts. She gave all her livelihood. And they just got richer. Jesus is red hot about this. The temple that the religious leaders are using for their fraud and abuse will be torn down, Jesus says. Jesus issues a warning. Everybody said, a what? A warning. Judgment is coming down the pike. Everybody say warning again. Warning! Because these religious leaders are using the temple as their place of fraud, as their leverage to get people to do what they want. And so Jesus says, that temple is going to be thrashed. He's giving them a warning. Say the word again. Warning! And like the six-year-old boy who lived right next to the fire station. You know, he always looked at the firemen with admiration, smiling and waving whenever he saw them. The little boy just smiling. One day, one of the firemen saw the boy outside. The boy had put side rails on his little red rider wagon, had a garden hose strapped on one side, a shovel and an axe tied with bungees on the other. 
The fireman decided to walk over and take the boy one of his old fire helmets as a gift. As the fireman reached the boy, he saw the boy had tied a rope off the wagon handle to his dog's collar. And then he saw that the boy had also tied a string to the back axle of the wagon to his cat's private parts. As the fireman handed the boy the helmet, he offered a little advice. He said, you know, if, if you take your cat's collar and tie him to the front of the wagon with your dog, you would really go faster. The little boy said, putting on the helmet, maybe so, but then I wouldn't have a siren. Hey, a fire truck needs a siren. People need to know something big is coming, right? Well, Jesus is blaring His siren. Something big is coming. And here it is. Everybody say it out loud. What? Ah, judgment. Chapter 21, verse 5. This is what Jesus continues to say. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, Jesus said, These things which you see, the day will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Second time Jesus says this. It took Herod the Great 48 years to construct this elaborate building, the temple. He spared no expense. It was made of beautiful white Jerusalem stone. All of the pillars and there were hundreds of pillars throughout Solomon's portico. They're wrapped around the inside of the temple. All of them were made of solid white marble. The interior of the priest's office and their apartments were lined with cedar. And the entire temple was accented with pure gold. The doors, the corbels, the fascia, the roof were all gold-plated. And all the decor was solid gold. Shields that were, and there were hundreds of them, wrapped around the inside and the outside of the temple were made of solid gold. The grapevines that were decor on the wall above the place where the priests were were all solid gold. All of the wall borders were all solid gold. It was one of the most impressive structures in the world. But Jesus said, this wonder of the world will be leveled. The place that they were leveraging their fraud and their abuse. I'm going to take it out of the way. The shepherds should have been serving God's people, but instead they were fleecing God's people. Should have been teaching them, loving them, serving them but instead they were manipulating and abusing them. I'm going to take the temple out of the way. It will be leveled, Jesus said. And in less than 40 years, the Roman general Titus Vespasian led 80,000 soldiers to Jerusalem and besieged the city. Over a million Jews were slaughtered. The temple was set on fire. The intensity of the heat melted the gold and it ran into the crevices of the stones. The Roman soldiers toppled every stone to recover the melted gold. Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled.
We're so glad that you tuned in today to The Simple Truth. We pray that Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke has given you a new insight into the life of Jesus and brought you closer to Him. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of The Simple Truth or hear additional messages, visit tmcalvary.com. You'll find them under the Sermons tab. You can even experience the video version of these teachings at our YouTube channel. Just follow the link. And don't forget to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified as soon as we've uploaded new messages that we know will share Jesus' love and truth for your life. Find a link to our YouTube channel at our website. Again, that's tmcalvary.com. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to be involved in what we're doing here at The Simple Truth. We'd love for you to join us in praying for the people who will be listening to these broadcasts, who may even be hearing about Jesus for the first time. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would open ears and soften hearts, and that lives would forever be changed? Would you pray also for Pastor Dion and the team here at The Simple Truth? Pray that we always keep our eyes on the Lord, and that we're courageous to follow wherever He may lead. Would you also pray about financially supporting this ministry? Any and all amounts given are useful and greatly appreciated. You can find out more at tmcalvary.com. Just click on Donate. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for joining us today on The Simple Truth. Show. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.